The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. It's the 47th and final episode as we bring the curtain down on both the 2022 rugby year and the first season of the Raw Rugby Podcast. And your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion continues to be the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Loved having Tala Mtusu from Rugby Bits on last week's episode, and so did you guys, evidently. It was the most listened to episode of all the Spring Tour series, and plenty of you had your say on the Raw as well, as you can and do each week. Uh, of course, you can hit Harry and I up on the socials. And joining me this and every week is that man who was really the one responsible for getting the first ball rolling on the machine that this podcast became in 2022, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How's it, Brett? Are you in a sports shop right now? There's uh, a costume <laughs> with about 17,000 jerseys. Yeah. Is that you and Mrs. McKay's kink? What's going on yeah. there? Stripes, yeah, it's, uh, this year is um This year's been about jerseys on the pod, I've decided. It started with this wonderful Western Province number that you gave me, and I've set myself a bit of a summer hobby, uh, which has actually started pretty well, as you can see here. What I'm, I'm trying to put together a complete set of the last national rugby championship jerseys. Now, oh, eagle-eyed, okay. eagle-eyed viewers and listeners in the, looking at the pictures on social will notice that Greater Sydney Rams did not play in the last couple of seasons. That's a little bonus one I've I've given myself. So <laughs> I'm uh, putting them together. You've been um, you've very graciously helped me uh, acquire another one, which is on its way. So hopefully, by the time we come back in 2023, the pop, the uh, the collection will be well. I'd love it if it's complete, but hopefully it's not too far off. Yeah, so. the, pack- the package is on the way. They asked me how much it's worth. I said um, 20, do- 20 bucks. Uh, <laughs> that much? <laughs> right That's $45 Australian, so yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, looking forward to getting into this last episode of the year, mate. A special guest up first for a fairly rapid wrap of the 2022 rugby year. And then some good fun and plenty of memories uh, as Harry and I look back on a massive first season of the pod. The Raw Rugby Podcast. To the pod's Sydney studio for the final time this season, and it's a big welcome to the Raw's new rugby editor, Christy Doran. Hello, Steve. mate. I'll tell you what, they've all, all, they've all been saying you say the best to last, don't they, Brett? Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and we're trying to get you out of the way quick so we can get to the best for last. Right. Oh! <laughs> no, no, not true at all, mate. Not true at all. We we thought it was worth getting, finishing the year with you, getting you on. You've barely got your feet under the desk yet. Well, in fact, you haven't even got your feet under the desk yet because you spent your first two weeks of the job in, in the UK. So once again, this is raw travel budget that I'm still not seeing. <laughs> oh, look, it's good to join you, and I, I like the jersey. I think, Harry, you've done wonders with that one, and um, the Western Province rugby jersey. I think a few of us might be demanding that one next time you're in, in Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's a, and that's a legitimate one. That's Carlos Scoltz's jersey, number 15. Uh, it's got a little bit of blood and mud on it. it. I told Brett, if a guy is walking around a roundabout in Canberra one day, and he's named Porkchop or looks like Porkchop and suddenly says, McKay. I told him, run, run. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. things it I had to do yet. to get that jersey. <laughs> hasn't happened yet. I've only worn it out in public with a jacket over it. Yeah, so Christy, <laughs> I, I think we're on as like almost opposite guys. You know, all my hair is on my chin and all your hair is on top of your head. It's great. <laughs> we could. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got it one. 
I try to open up a couple of buttons to reveal a bit extra here or there, but we won't, <laughs> we, we won't go too much further into that. I like that. Yeah. Oh, what a start. What a start. This is after dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and so a modification, I suppose, of the same place we start each week um, is what stood out for us on what has been a pretty big year in rugby. Christy, kick us off. What's your what's your highlight of the year? Oh, look, I started off the the year um, in Perth and at the time riding for Fox Sports, but a hallmark of of the side was and and a theme right throughout the year in the season with Dave Rennie was character, and we saw a lot of that um, with the Wallabies come from behind victory in Perth against England. We saw them reduced to. Um, you know, injuries was obviously a theme right throughout the season. A uh, fair bit of adversity, a red card to Darcy Swain. They they somehow managed to win, and they and they did a similar sort of thing uh, clearly in Cardiff. And some of their big performances and some of the things that they might be able to take through to next year's World Cup are the fact that when the game went tough, seldom did they ever completely go away and and they probably got a bit tighter and sometimes the accuracy that was missing the detail that was missing you hope that that comes through next year in a world cup year but i liked the things the resilience that was shown at stages but they certainly need to build on that for next year to have any hope yeah yeah no doubt about that harry what what are you trying start the the season rep with yeah that's an excellent point by my brother christy um you can coach, you can come in coaching and try to build a uh, framework, like a Warren Gatlin type, where you have technical details and then overlay that with the emotion and the character kind of stuff. I think Dave Rennie, maybe the other way around, um, he wanted to build a team of people like him, maybe a little bit quiet, actually, but really burning hard, you know, like tough mm-hmm. guys. It's a tough team. Um, the Wallabies are a tough team now. Um so for me, the big thing was all about the, you know, Game of Thrones, Coach Thrones thing. Uh, and I started inventing a scenario when Warren Gatlin was announced as Wales coach again. I have a scenario brewing where Warren Gatlin has a team in the quarterfinals or semifinals of the World Cup playing the Springboks. And you have Alan Wynne-Jones on his 180th cap, uh, you know, doing the second half captaining is <laughs> a kick to... Uh, uh, George North has a penalty because he chased a kick by Dan Bigger to Willie LaRue too quickly. And, and Andre Pollard knocks over, um, you know, a, a penalty kick, literally replaying 2019 mm-hmm. um, World Cup. So we are definitely in, a, in an age where we're going back to what we knew, you know. Mm-hmm. What do we think we knew? Is Warren it, Ball. Back, Here we go. There's a back to the future feel. Of that, yeah, if Borthwick takes the England job, it's also a little bit like, let's go back yeah. to 2019 because Borthwick was, was the, the assistant coach, coach. that yeah. took England to, I think, its better pack. So Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I can't get past um, what has just been um, an absolutely incredible but at the same time simultaneously depressing injury list. For, for the Wallabies in 2020-22. If, if, a, if a coach at the end of any season in any sport was handed a list of names that revealed 46 separate injuries to 31 different players over the course of the year, and that doesn't include James O'Connor, who did his in club rugby, 
no one would get into coaching. <laughs> like that, mm. I don't I don't care what anyone says. Anyone who gets a li- an injury list that long is going to have a rough year. Well, so, Brett, can I can I ask you um, a question without notice? Whose responsibility is that? And is that is is that Dave Rennie being unlucky, which is what he's tried to claim at various stages throughout the season? That's part of it, mate. Certainly, like there's there's ten or a dozen concussions and failed HIAs in it, so you mm. can't. Like that's that's not a training thing. That's not a that's not a, a failure to plan thing. That's something that happens in games, and there's no pattern to the injuries either. There is injuries literally from toes to head and everything in between. So it's not like there's a spate of soft tissue injuries that might be workload. Um, you know, it's there's shoulders, there's broken arms, there's four Achilles injuries for God's sake. So I I don't know if. It, it, even if the even if the injury list in 2023 in a World Cup year is half that long, it's still going to be pretty rough. So I, I mean, think I, don't it's know. Wor- I think it's worthy of curiosity. I think oh, it's you know, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, there, there and it should be, some, be looked into and it should yeah. be reviewed. It and it, should, might it come, absolutely should be reviewed. It might come back to the to the training ground more than the game. The games are the games. Every yeah. play, every team has the same. But yeah, I, it could think, well. I would look at body heights. I would look at the fact that there were so many mm. penalties based on body height and i would say body height and injury kind of correlate yeah so the wallabies played pretty high all season and i think that is yeah a, that is a way to get injured so yeah yeah know. and look, what was it 16 cards in 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 14 games now not all of them were for high tackles but certainly some were um and so yeah that's that's got to be part of the review there's no there's no doubt about that we're in for a, for a pretty quick a pretty quick and a pretty rapid review you know, look back over the year, Christy. So even if we mm. go all the way back to, to Super Rugby, what, what what did you take out of Super Rugby in 2022 that has you a little bit excited for this for for, for the coming year? Well, look, I predicted that War does make the Super Rugby finals, um, and they did. They did just that. I think the thing that excites me certainly is their list next year. They exceeded mm. expectations. Um, in 2022, there's no doubt about that. They knocked over a couple of New Zealand sides, the Crusaders, the Highlanders away, snapping a a, a bit of a hudo across the across the mm. ditch. That that's what excites me, really. Um, yeah. And and when you look at World Cup campaigns historically, even the, the Springboks in 2019 with the heavy based. Um, a Stormers outfit or former Stormers players. You look at 2015 with the heavy Waratahs contingent, 19 with the Saracens lot um, with with Eddie Jones, you know, the Reds of 11, the, the Brumbies of the early 2000s. I, I, I can imagine that there will be quite a few Waratahs players that just edge out some of the other players that they might be competing with. So... Mm. Look, I'm not, I'm not I'm not a Waratahs fan, um, uh, but but I I'm excited by the fact that it's a big state, it's a big stable ground. Yeah, it's a it's a rugby nursery. There's millions that are in Sydney. There's a new swanky stadium with yeah. Harry Jones's experience, and it has the capacity of the first thing that the first comment that Darren Coleman said when he spoke to the media, dressed the media for the first time, he was. In the um, he was at a basketball match and they'd been given a function room just to, to give a zoom. And he and he said, What I really hope is that the bars and the pubs around Paddington are full. Yeah. 
Yeah. And all those fans go to the game and then they go back mm. to the pubs and they talk about rugby. And yeah. that's what excites me, excites me because it's been a long time. It's not since Michael Checker was in Sydney that New South Wales fans have been excited about their side. Mm. Yeah, and a new stadium, Harry, will certainly help that next year, no doubt. What about for you, Harry? I'm interested to know what was Super Rugby like for you in 2022 watching it with no South African teams in it? Yeah, so it was more forensic, I suppose. Um, yeah. In some ways, I could watch the rugby and maybe be a, more, a bit more accurate because, you know, I have Stormer's uh, bias, Stormer's um, vision. Um I, I, so an anecdote, I was in Australia and I went to uh, the Melbourne Rebels training facility mm. uh, to chat with our friend, friend of the pod, Jeff Parling. And Kevin Foote was there, graciously took me around uh, inside and outside with, with our friend Jeff Parks. And we were, yep. I was struck with how difficult it is for a, a side like the Rebels to try to get on the same footing Sorry for the foot uh, reference. Uh, with some, one of the great clubs, like we're watching greatness, right? The Crusaders yeah, are yeah. a great team. And yeah, sometimes yeah. in sport, you don't know what you're watching until maybe it's gone. But just as he took me through well, all the things he has to do, it reminded me of that classic story of when, you know, during Perestroika and the Russian engineers were finally allowed to go visit the Japanese automakers. And at the end of the tour, the Apparatchik, you know, went to the Japanese guy and said, tell me the truth. How far are we behind your auto assembly? And the Japanese guy said, you're forever behind. Like you're never going <laughs> to, it's just yeah. impossible. Yeah. And so I just, oh man, you know, outside the Rebels uh, facility, there's the AFL team just across the way. There's the, mm. the, yeah, the Col Colling Collingwood time base, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you're swamped yeah. in sports and mm. you're trying to find you know, a couple of players. So I, I don't know. I just think it's brave. It's interesting. I love talking to those guys. They're really good technicians, but they're operating almost under the radar. Um, yeah. You hope that you hope that the super rugby dream can, can continue and uh, that it's mm. not just swamped by crusader, crusader, crusader. I don't know. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see what it does look like in 2023. Now that the peace pipe has been smoked and the, uh, <laughs> and the new deal comes together, which we'll, which we've got a few more details about toward the end. I, I think for me, the, the big thing was that there was definite improvement against the New Zealand sides. And it's easy to, to hear that and say, Oh, but it was only, you know, eight or nine wins or whatever it was sure. But it was none the year before. So this is now, you know, there was three Australian teams in the finals. There was plenty of people willing to say there might only be one. So I, I think that there is definite movement there. There needs to be more. There needs to be more improvement. There needs to be, there needs to be four Australian sides in the finals, if we're, if we're honest. But it was a good first start in what was a pretty rapidly thrown together competition, if we're all honest. So then that then pushed us into July tests. We saw England in Australia. We saw Ireland in New Zealand. Um, did, we, did we get what we expected out of those July tests? Oh look, I, th I think we did, didn't we? Um, we knew that we knew at the time that New Zealand was struggling; they weren't quite sure selection. Um, we knew that there were questions around captaincy, leadership, um, and New Zealand were coming off the back of defeats at the end of last year too. I, I was, I think, there was more surprise around the fact that. New Zealand won the first and then lost the, the next two. I thought it might be something different. 
those permutations. But yeah. look, I think we saw what we saw there, and I think similarly with with Australia and England, we knew it was going to be a bit of a dogfight that mm. neither side was um, going to be you know harming at that point in time. England had come off a pretty poor and a, evidently a very poor start to their year. Um, three defeats for the second time, the second uh, straight year uh, in the Six Nations. So I think we saw exactly what we, we saw uh, expected. I think Rugby Australia had slightly different expectations. I think that they thought they should beat England. I think they think that they that the Wallabies got themselves into positions to win not just one of those games, but certainly two and and quite probably uh, they could have mm. won all three. And let's be frankly honest about that. You know, they should have won all for, three. If it's not for a flare flying, a, you know, throw that's not straight, that sucks mm. the momentum out, or, you know, a Taniela Tupo uh, ball at the SCG that hits Nick <coughs> Cross's ankles, mm. you know, they, those results probably are different. So it's the little things I think we saw what we wanted to see, though, and expected to see. Yeah. So. yeah. Harry, um the box and Wales throughout an interesting series over there. Um, we knew Ireland were going to be pretty good, but but were, were Wales better than you expected in the Republic? Yeah, it's hard to know. Actually, all those three series to me were difficult to gauge mm. because uh, there was a spectrum of coaches um, playing friendlies, experimentation, all the way over to Ireland saying, we're going to die to win these games. And I will play Sexton until he's dead. Um, that was just not the case for the box. They actually brought a lot of 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds, 14 changes for the second test. So we'll never really know. Yeah. If they just go out and play, I think it's 30-14 every time. Um, there are players in Wales that are good, and this is why Wayne got the sack. Um, you have a, you have 10 lines and 1,000 caps. you got to mm. do better than that. And I think Wayne Gatlin knows how to get to a quarterfinal, but, semifinal. I'm not but sure only about can. 20 caps on the bench, and that was the issue, yeah. wasn't it? yeah. yeah. So, but even like Ireland, New Zealand, for example, if if we now play that series and New Zealand has, you know, the team it has now, I don't think it goes that way. So it's the, the July, the June, July thing is weird because yeah. there's a bigger gap between when you have it all together, because Ireland kind of always has it together right now. Their system is such that everyone knows exactly what they're doing. And, and there's really not very any selection debates. Like there's none, there's zero. Mm-hmm. So you know, everything has to go right for them because they're everything is going right for them. So if one thing goes wrong, uh, you look at what happened with the Wallabies, it's 13-10. That's not really that impressive at home. So, mm. yeah, I, I think New Zealand is not as bad as what that series showed, mm. is my point. Well, and then they turned it around in the rugby championship, which started for them in, in South Africa. They felt like they were in, I think as far as All Blacks teams go, they were in proper crisis over there in, in South Africa. And then they just got better as the series went on. And, and the rugby championship was actually quite fascinating because of the early round results. Yeah, it was in the balance of the final weekend, which was what we won, yeah. right? You know, like the box had to score a certain amount of points. Um, you know, Argentina's a proud side and wouldn't let them do it. I think that's great for the championship. Mm. Yeah. What did you make of the rugby championship, Christy? Oh, it's brilliant. But uh, the, the first couple of weeks, there was such um, huge moments that defined games. And you think about that, that uh, was it the second one there where uh, South Africa's denied that 
brilliant try, isn't it? And 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 in the end, then the end, New Zealand go on and and they win the mm. game. And you forget pretty quickly how does a team get to it if you're winning. You know, you forget the fact that they, uh, you know, how they actually got the win. It's whether or not you won or you lost, and yep. and things quickly add up if you if you're not lose if you are losing and things aren't going your way. I completely agree with Harry. New Zealand, they will be a huge threat come 2023. And some of the pain that they endured this year, particularly earlier in the year, actually could really help them. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it'll make it. If they make a World Cup semi, it'll 2022 will be a distant memory. What was really fascinating as well, guys, was that Argentina had the <clears throat> a great performance against Australia in the second test. Yeah. Uh, they probably should have won the first one at Sages as well. They then put on a tackling demolition against the All Blacks and their ruck players yeah, in Christchurch. Yeah, but Argentina and Australia both struggled for consistency throughout yeah. the year. Now, whether or not if they can, they are more than capable of winning a quarterfinal. Both those two sides next mm-hmm. year. It's whether or not they have the capacity to bring string matches together. And we saw Czech do it in twenty fifteen. Whether or not Dave Rennie, a Dave Rennie coach, while this side can string back-to-back performances together will be interesting. But I think Argentina would have learned so much about what to do and what not to do in terms of backing up and having to go mm. again because they were abysmal the week after beating New Zealand. It was it was an embarrassing performance a week after yeah. managing to, to, to beat New Zealand. So how they actually back up will be hugely fascinating next year. Yeah, I, I don't think Harry, well, Australia definitely didn't. I don't think Argentina won consecutive games all year either. No, they didn't have the sort of uh, the troops really. And so yeah. New Zealand actually picked a tight five and they, and they found their tight five and they and they found their second front row and then the season changed for them. Um, you know, mm. and we then their second front row became the, became the front row. Yeah, right? exactly. So I think that that's not the case for Argentina. They don't have good props uh, yeah. in reserve. Their running props are not very good scrumming co- uh, props. I think Australia is a different question than Argentina. So I think Argentina just needs more um, more troops at the front, and they probably need to f- uh, solve the proper 10 issue. For the Wallabies, to me, it was that revolving door of players that was brought on by injury. And also, yeah. I don't know exactly what Dave Rennie wants. I've called it the yeah. lack of a, of a, of a Rennie doctrine. You know, yeah. um, I know the Doran doctrine, but I don't know the Rennie <laughs> doctrine. So, um, he, used, he used 51 players Yeah, so I think that's, that's where he's a little bit behind for the World yeah. Cup planning. I do think you can see now what Schmidt... Um, and Foster and Ryan want from the mm. I think we yeah. see that now. Yeah. He used 50 in 2022 for what it's worth as well. It's crazy. Christy. So it's, yeah. it's, it's what it's Eddie a, Jones a, did. Eddie, Eddie Jones yeah. up to uh, last year, he had 170 players named and only played a hundred, but there was such a revolving door on the midfield and the wings that no one, there was no attack. So yeah. yeah. You can get too cute for yourself sometimes as a coach. Yeah, and and suddenly the uh, the the World Rugby Player of the Year nomination is nowhere to be seen through the spring oh. tour, which is <laughs> interesting in itself. So then, Brett, here's a question for you quickly. Um, yeah, you know we talk about the fact that there was injuries right the way through the year, but you know Dave Rennie said on a number of occasions he thinks he's got three world class nines. Um, yeah, but we saw a continued rotational policy, and we also. I'm not. Saw I'm, not sh- I'm not sure. The, the, I'm not sure the three of the three we saw on tour. 
<laughs> yeah, well, possibly not. I think I know where mm. you're going with that one. But I don't think, you know, selection wasn't entirely based around injury, I don't think. Right. And I right. Right. And that's the point I'm trying to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Saying. There's no doubt. There's At no nine doubt. Nine and fifteen. Yeah. 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 Well, even 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 Hooker, there was there was a bit of rotation. Some of it was forced. You know, Dave Parecki had at least two concussion forced layoffs. Correct. Yeah. So um, there was a bit of rotation there. There was definitely rotation through through both lock positions. Um, you know, the only ones that really didn't change through the year was was James Slipper, James Slipper was Rob Valentini and Michael Hooper in the pack, realistically. Yeah, um, and, and James Slipper, well, well, James Slipper. And James Slipper was out of necessity, Christy. Yeah, with Angus Bell not being there. But I, th- I think the back row too, like we saw a lot of changes at six um, up until yeah. the spring tour. So, yeah. No. Yeah. So, um, so, so what did we... What did we make of the spring tour then? Like the the big thing for me out of that spring tour was that that maybe the aura around and we've talked about this Harry in in recent weeks that maybe the aura around France and Ireland isn't quite as bright as we thought it might be. But at the same time, how much of that is because it's not as bright as it, we thought it would be, and how much of it is because the dimmer switch was turned down. Well, so the big thing for me was the interest. You know, every weekend you had 250,000 people in a stadium watching rugby and it looked like they were very in, into it. So for all the doom and gloom, it was wonderful to see the, the pageantry, yeah. the imagery. Yeah. Uh, but no, Ireland and France are not prohibitive favorites. They're not, you know, you know, back in the day, if you had a really strong all black or box situation, they would never lose at home. They would never come close to losing at home and they would not be hanging on you know, for one ref's call or one mm. strange, you know, event to win by three. Uh, Ireland only built uh, 75 rucks uh, against um, a box and wallabies each. That's not their game. They're, they're mm. trying to build 150. So they were denied. They were yeah. denied by very pesky Southern Hemisphere uh, competition from yeah. playing their game. The French long kicking game did not work against the wallabies in the box. You take those two contests each and break them down, you see that it's not true that Ireland and France are running away with it next year. Um, they really struggled and they had better, they had more complete teams than mm. South Africa and Australia. So I do think the age of parity is upon us. Um, it's very matchup driven. New Zealand does struggle for some reason with Ireland. Um, I don't think that's the case for the Wallabies and the Springboks. Um, I do think, you know, it's strange the Wallabies could lose to Italy. I get that, but, that's just part of what Christy was talking about, the up, down, up, down, on, yeah. off wallaby season. Yeah. 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 Well, Christy, you didn't ever even have a raw.com.au email address by the time you landed in Ireland. Is that the way you saw it as well? That's how fresh you were over there? Look, there's two sides of where people are sitting with this one. There's the one that Eddie Marinos tried to paint the picture of the other day that, uh, you know, the Wallabies um, came just short against France and against Ireland. But, um, you know, and he, of, of course he was disappointed by the defeat to Italy. But let's be frank, they, they beat a Scottish side that hadn't played in a long time, that was missing Stuart Hogg, missing Finn Russell, and they should have probably lost the game with a penalty mm. to miss. Um, a French side that was playing their first match in six six months um, and were pretty poor. 
um, five months. But that's, and, not, and but that's was... not the Wallabies' problem, Christy. That was that, that French team still had a strong Toulouse uh, you know, combination all through the middle of it. There was still strong club combinations that had come straight out of top 14. So I don't think yeah. we can... Like, I'm sure you can say that they weren't good enough to convert oh, chances but I think to in win the, into wins. In the same way that Ireland were humming come July against a New Zealand side yeah. that was starting to, to start yeah. their campaign, it's a similar sort of thing, I think, with the, with the French that come together at the last moment. Um, but that, that aside, they should have beaten the French. Um, mm. And yep. we saw against the Irish side, no Johnny Sexton. And we know that when Ireland don't have Johnny Sexton, it's like a, a Newcastle Knights team without, <laughs> without Andrew, Andrew Johns. Johns. Yeah. Or yeah. a Broncos side back in the day without a Lockyer or whatever it might be. They they had ample opportunity there and they were poor. The the Paisami injury was, was significant, but uh, that was a pretty poor um pretty poor spring tour and, and, a, and a remarkable come from behind victory against the Welsh where that it was almost like sevens rugby in the last 20 mm. minutes. But you look at the Welsh, <clears throat> where they are at the moment, clearly they've just sacked their coach, Wayne Pivak, which showed, tells you all you need to know. But they just lost to Georgia. They'd lost to Italy not that much longer earlier. And and um, Gareth Anscombe gets injured midway through the second half. And from that moment onwards, the game turns. The game turns immediately. Um, you know, Toby Falata, other guys go off off the bench, um, off off the field. You know, we dispatched just, and I say we, Australia dispatched a, a pretty poor Welsh outfit. So two from five, it, it could have been one from five very easily. And if it was one from five, I think it's a completely different conversation right at the moment around where is Australia at. The, yeah. the questions I would be asking are: Could a different coach have got better results? Or better performances and a result against Italy is, is almost inexcusable off the backdrop of the year. You know, there was a lot of people thinking that the Wallabies could be done to Italy, um, get done by Italy, and in the end they were, and they should have been done by more had Italy been able to kick remotely straight. Christy, mm. mm. if, uh, if it had been 0-5, oh, oh uh, is Dave Rennie on the block? Yeah, I'm going to throw it out there. I th- I think Dave Rennie still could be on the block. Um, I don't think he's completely safe uh, going into next year at this point in time. Yeah. So what do we what do we need to see from our Super Rugby teams next year, Christy? What's what's your what's on your must have list? Well, the Waratahs need to be making the semi-finals. It's as simple as that. Um, the, the Queensland Reds without Taniela Tupo, that is a, just a massive blow. And we know mm. that there's been lots of rumblings in Queensland for quite a while. How they get pulled together will be interesting. Scott Johnson's in at Queensland twice a week at the moment, three times a week. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that they've completely overhauled their, uh, their assistant coaches. Oh, they certainly have, yeah, and for good reason. Um, mm. And and it'll be curious to see uh, the depth isn't quite there now. We've got a James O'Connor is going to be coming back from injury. Um, there's lots. <laughs> Will of he questions. make the start of the year? Good question. Not sure about it, but you know oh, they, yeah. they do have the benefit of a Lawson Crichton who spent time in the saddle last year, and and he didn't yeah. spend much time training in that position, let alone playing in that position. So, mm. look, I think the, Re- the the Rebels and the Force are going to struggle somewhat with, with depth. Um, 
and they might have a 15 that they can roll out behind that, not a huge amount. The injuries to Philip and Leota are huge. But mm. what you want to be saying, I think, from a, a Brumby side, and, and hopefully they don't get decimated by injuries either. But when you lose guys like Scott Seo, who allowed James Slipper to start and yeah. come off the bench, um, that was such a luxury for them. To lose an Eurace Simone, you might not have been in the Wallabies picture, but allowed them to have a second playmaker, a bigger ball kind of man in the middle. They don't really have an inside centre next year. Mm. A, a new coach, a returning coach, they've got questions about them. And, and mm. even though they've been so consistent for so long, I'm curious to see how they start. It, it's important that they start mm. well. But oh, it, there's... There's, uh, there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people next year. Mm. And um, the thing that will help them, of course, is the fact that they're playing for World Cup positions. And that's yeah. what should be Waratah's biggest strength is that there's competition for spots there. It should help people like Harry Wilson and Fraser McRite, the Tate McDermott's, the playing for spots, the Jock Campbells, mm. dare I say it, Suli Vunabala, who's not in the picture now, but you never know. So um, there's a lot of I'm people... Gonna- my my gut my gut feeling, and it's been my gut feel for three months now, is he'll play NRL next year. It could happen, yeah, yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me. And if that happens, so be it. And great. Mm. Uh, at the moment, he's still a Queensland Red, but mm. yeah, it's a good shout. But what are the expectations, Brett? You you tell me. Well, so around around the Brumbies, I'm I'm certainly more concerned about about twelve than I am how they replace Banks and, and CEO. I think they've done enough work and they've got enough options up front and at fullback, but I'm not sure what the answer is at 12 yet. Um, I had um, actually had had planned to sit down and have a coffee with Stephen Larkham um, back in early October, but um, but the old Rona got me, so I've not had a chance to, uh, to, to do that. So um, that's certainly... One question that um, that I'd love to ask, and I'm sure a lot of people want to want to know the answers of that as well, uh, mate. Before we before we let you go, we we um, we had a we we have a bit of fun bringing you into the into the royal family. You've been with the site what not quite a month yet. So, how have you found it so far? What can we expect from you in in 2023? Um, I mean, I think you're up to. 73 articles in three and a half weeks. So are you going to keep that strike rate up in 2023? Nice. Well, it's, it's great to be um, talking about rugby. And and yeah. those that know me know that um, and I, you might come from a News Corp background, but there's a lot of people within News Corp that still like rugby, still love rugby. Um, and for people like myself, weren't able to cover rugby how you'd like. Uh, yeah. Not because you're necessarily directed about what you can write, more so the fact that you probably weren't encouraged to write about rugby yes. full stop. So th- they're the differences. I'm looking forward to being able to tell some stories around the Super Rugby players. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday, or we're recording this on Tuesday night, but sitting down with Joey Walton tomorrow afternoon, who's coming mm. back from a couple of devastating injuries and looking forward to just hearing about how that recovery has been because this is the guy that is highly touted, um, uh, had had a strong start to his super rugby career. Mm. Um, so looking forward to seeing how that journey has been like. And and I think that won't just be the case for the Waratahs. I'm looking forward to <clears throat> yeah. really being able to speak to all the five super rugby franchises mm. because there's 
great stories. There's great people. People want to know about players mm. and about their journeys and why they play the game. Yeah. But I think and as I think well, that's, I, th- I think that's our opportunity next year is that um, there's not too many outlets now have the ability or the time um, to dedicate a resource to trying to tell the stories of, you know, your average super rugby player who we don't know. We, we mm. might have known them 15 years ago, but we don't know them anymore. And so it's really important that we do start yeah. telling those stories, Harry, so that we can get to know these guys again. Yeah, no, Christy's a, he's a heavy ball carrier. He's a, he's a guy, he gets off the ground quickly and he's ready. Um, you know, you're the, you're the distributing nine uh, and Christy will take a lot of carries. But what I like about mm. that, if you're a heavy carrier, you're going to get hit hard. And so, Christy, I'm sure you've experienced already in the roar how people bring you up short, yeah. little weird, like <laughs> obscure, how, factual. Well, on that, on that, how, how have you found that, mate? Because you would have seen, you would have seen comments on, uh, maybe not the Fox Sports site, but certainly on the Australian, the Daily Telegraph site. So you would have seen comments to your articles, but with the raw, you're getting comments and the expectation of a discussion. How are you finding that? <clears throat> I think it's always easy to to answer back to someone when there's a question in there. Yeah. So if it's yeah, just a statement or if it's just a point, you know, are you asking something? And that's not yeah. a discussion if you don't ask something. If you just, you know, throw out something, um, that's not a question. That's not entering into a discussion. So uh, I think, you know, face, uh, Fox Sports didn't really have a comment section on, mm. on the exact pages that you might write stories on but there was a significant Facebook presence and you know you might have all manner of people write to you and say things about you or like a story or generally hate a story but we know that people generally speaking react in a negative if they if they don't like something they tell you that yeah whereas um, they might put a like next to a, a story if they do like it rather than actually um, comment about it yeah yeah so <clears throat> Look, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I like it. And I have no issue if someone likes your opinion, doesn't. I think it's, as long as it's said in a respectful manner and you would say it to the person, then sweet ass, play on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, my job is to write things around players and uh, administrators and coaches at times. And um, sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't, but whatever. You're contributing mm. to the game and the discourse, and I think that's a can only be a positive thing. And that's mm. the raw strength, and it's what yeah. it's been built upon. So, and I all power to the masses. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny, it's funny though. The wisdom of crowds is sometimes it's very esoteric. Like someone will correct you on that's not really how an egg is poached. And then they give you like some really, <laughs> really yeah, technical, yeah. like, hey, I'm just yeah. going for a metaphor here. I don't really need to talk about it. <laughs> I didn't actually want to poach it there. It it's just a turn of phrase. Uh, look, mate, it's, it's, it's been great to have you on the last uh, the last episode of the year. We, um, we, we, we thank you. Like your coverage already has been fantastic. And um, just just enjoy it. Go forward and enjoy it next year. And, uh, and we'll all benefit from it on, on the raw.com.au. Great to join you guys. And uh Look forward to listening to the second half of this podcast and, and not so much my own voice, which is a bit sore after a couple of weeks of a few Guinnesses and wintry days in Cardiff, I'll tell you that. Indeed. No, good on oh. you, mate. Thank you. See you, Christy. Thanks, guys. Rugby on the Raw. Uh, Harry, great to have uh, Christy Doran uh, there on the, the first 
part of the pod and we've still got a bit to get through here now we're going to do it a little bit differently we're sort of going straight into the a little news segment now and the biggest story in rugby i suppose at the moment is that um at the point that we record this and the point that you listen to this eddie jones may or may not have been sacked as england coach <laughs> I mean, we, it looks like it probably will happen it might have happened by the time you're listening to this it might not have happened but it might still be likely but either way it would seem like he's in the crosshairs right now no, so I'm willing to say that he's gone. And the reason why I can say it is because there are things that are irreparable now that are being said. Yeah, it does right feel now, like that. Someone's accusing someone of a gross act of self-harm by the RFU. So the, the sides are at war and they were at war a year, about a week ago. It mm. really was the issue. I think I described it as losing that core crowd. Yes, you did. Elbow patch, cranberry chino, yeah. you know, yeah. Sandrinum yeah. version of the rover. Those guys, and yeah. they were literally the Range Rover Sport. We're lot. not going to go over to Dublin or Paris to watch this uh, mob play because mm. we're not even really trying. And the excuses of yeah. World Cup, World Cup weren't working. So I think yeah. that's what's happening. It's it, it's a very interesting larger story about to what extent you can place the World Cup on a pedestal and the other matches become friendly. Yeah, and, and this, extent, this whole this whole topic of friendlies we've been talking matters. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you. Completely agree. It will be fascinating to see how that plays out. And uh, as I say, it, it may or may not have happened. Uh, it may or may not happen at all. We, we we don't know. It looks like it probably will, but who knows with the RFU and certainly who knows with Eddie Jones. We do know that Welsh coach Wayne Pivak has been moved on and, and Warren Gatlin has been parachuted back in there. So that's uh, that's that Back to the Future episode that we were, were talking about before. Um on the topic of the future, mate, uh, Rugby Australia and New Zealand Rugby have smoked the peace pipe and they've confirmed the future of Super Rugby Pacific, signing a deal that keeps them tied to each other now until the end of the 2030 season. And there's actually a couple of important details in this. And I think the big ticket item that maybe hasn't quite got the coverage that it, that it deserves and 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 it needs more detail around it is that the new deal will include the establishment of a nine-person, largely independent board with an independent chair, former four independent directors, and then one rep each from NZR, from RA, and from the New Zealand and from the from the Australian respective players' association. So, all of a sudden, now we're going to have a governing body looking after Super Rugby Pacific, and this is what should have been in place twenty-five years ago, but never was. And so, finally, we might actually get. A competition that moves away from rugby by committee. Yeah, it's what the premiership needs. It's what a lot yeah. of competitions need. You have someone speaking for the interest of that comp and superseding what I'll call parliamentary battles yeah. over yeah. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah. 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 I mean the 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 Sansa model and the Sansa joint venture works for the rugby championship, perhaps, but for Super Rugby to be the competition it needs to be, it needs a new way forward, and hopefully this uh, this new governing body can can give that. Part of it also is a new revenue sharing model through to the conclusion of the current broadcasting deals at the end of 2025, which means that Rugby Australia have actually got a big win there in terms of what New Zealand rugby pays them to to, to be part of it. So hopefully we'll see. What they're talking about is a unified approach to the look and feel of the game. So that's like on-field, gra- on-screen graphics, on-field graphics, uh, things like you know social media, fantasy leagues, 
actually starting to listen to what fans want. And so yeah. hopefully that all that all materializes. Um on the sevens front, mate, the Australian women's seven side picked up where they left off um last season, earlier this year, took out a third straight Dubai title with a 26-19 win uh, over New Zealand. The Australian men were knocked out in the quarterfinals by the USA. Uh, on that topical note, it came at the same time, though, that World Rugby revealed a fairly major shakeup of the Rugby with the Sevens World Series format, which will come in at the end of 23. It'll see fewer host cities. Hamilton and New Zealand's already a casualty. And male and female athletes will be paid the same, importantly. So we'll see the number of teams in the Men's World Series will go from 16 to 12, which is in line with the Olympics. And we'll also see an introduction of a two-league system with promotion and relegation, which I'll be interested to see how that all plays out. I'm not, I, I'm, I don't know. It seems to be, they seem to think it's what the seven series wanted. I'm not so sure. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't talk that much about the sevens, but I would say it's an important uh, conduit for um, um, second tier rugby nations to make yeah. new moves. And so I think it's important to find that in a way it's almost um, a symbol then if you are equalizing the pay for men and women, that's a harbinger of what could happen in the larger game because the growth is happening quicker in women's than in men's. Mm. Um, And also, I just think it's brilliant that um, it inspires a whole new um, set of fans. They're not necessarily the traditional fans that you and I are around, but uh, well, you know, I think it's at least they're thinking of things. So yeah, true, true. Yeah, on the local front, um, and this has happened on Tuesday uh, in Australia. It's been there's been incredible recognition of the of the Australian sevens scene. The 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 the, the women's seven side are up for the team of the year in the AIS Sport Performance Awards, which are fairly major um, set of sport awards in Australia. Tim Walsh has been nominated for Coach of the Year, and Charlotte Kaslick is up for Female Athlete of the Year as well. So it's fantastic to see. Um, you know, sevens really been rewarded and, and recognised the way they have been this year. So, um, yeah, a, a really, a really interesting way to to, to finish, and, and hopefully, it's a bright note for for sevens going forward. The roar, which then, mate, brings us to an attempt to try and wrap up what has been a massive year of this podcast. It started. About this time last year, and you sent me a message which you basically said, we should do a podcast. I reckon it'd be great. And I sort of went, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, it probably will be. And I have to admit, it wasn't actually until till, till the great Tony Harper, um, our, our editor, Tony Balls, rang me and said, this podcast idea, I've got some interest in it. And that's when I knew that you'd done a mammoth sell job on this. <laughs> I can sell, man. Uh, no, it, it actually is. A, it's been a great pleasure, uh, first of all, to pod with you. Uh, and I think, you know, we didn't really know each other that well as we began. Mm. We've been in a WhatsApp group, but, you know, WhatsApp stuff is kind of impersonal. <laughs> and it's mostly yeah. just a bunch of nonsense. But, um, but you know, we had to work together. Um, there were moments of highs and lows. You know, some, you know, it, it sounds too dramatic, but, you know, it's pretty nerve wracking to to book Michael Checa and not even know <laughs> up until five seconds before. Up until on, the point where he hooks on. Yes. Or if we yes. have the right connection, I'm, I'm in a, you know, I'm in Melbourne trying to fight with a hotspot and we didn't know what kind of mood Michael will be in. Uh, you know, he had just won, but you never know. I mean, like he doesn't yeah. always appreciate some of the questions that that media gives him. And, uh, and then it was beautiful. It was so fun. Yeah. Um, 
and we, we had a lot of those ups and downs where you think you have someone, but then you don't, but then you do. And yeah, the booking part of it is really crazy. It's yeah, like yeah. There's, lead, but there's numerous new. examples we can we can point to. Um, yeah. Phil Kearns is a classic one uh, <laughs> where we we genuinely didn't know we had Phil Kearns until he logged on. Um, you know, J- James Slipper, we're pretty confident we had, but you know, you just you ne- you never know. Uh, and but I think. I think all year in what are we? Yeah, you know, 40, 47 weekly pods. Um, I think I can only think of one polite decline that we got, which yeah, sort a, of says something. I yeah, think we did we did something right this year. I think that's true. I think we tried to make the guests um, very welcome, and even though I think we got them to talk more than I hear them talk about on other shows, um, I don't think it was intrusive. Um, like for example, you know one of your great things is you love spreadsheets and you love the detail behind <laughs> sports. So yeah. Jonathan Kaplan, you know, oh. on one, we even finished with a pod. He stays on extra 30 minutes and, yeah. and he screen shares every, I mean, what was every yeah. game he's ever reft? Yeah, it was, it was, it was incredible for, for someone who loves a spreadsheet. Like I do, he, what he showed us was his entire first class refereeing history, like to the point of, who kicked off? Who led at halftime? Who was his assessor? Who was his ARs? Who was his TMO? The whole lot, like who I think maybe even who were the captains? It was it was incredible detail of which the score was one cell. It was it was it was unbelievable. And we had so many cool moments like that. I mean, I think of Sumo Stevenson literally stopping the pod midway through because he remembered he had actual genuine brownies in the oven. I've got a brownie in the oven, mate. <laughs> yeah. And oh, then you had, so you had emotions like, um, you know, the Moana Pacifica episode. Yeah. You, you had guys really sharing their hearts, you know, uh, sincere. Yeah. One, more than rugby. Um, I, I, I think about also, moments like when we were i was talking to sir brian williams uh an episode yeah. that you unbelievable did an unbelievable editing job on and just to be with someone of rugby royalty and have him tell the story uh you know we i think we got lucky this year i mean we yeah oh we really did we really did when we when we started up we sort of thought oh look if we have to you know repeat guests every four or five weeks well that won't really matter we we went back to some guests you know, well, yeah, Jim Tucker three, was three times. Guy, well, yeah, yeah Jim, Jim Tucker was basically on it every second week through the year, but we really didn't have to repeat it. And and as we sort of got bigger and better guests, that sort of made things a bit easier for us. No, well, doubt that's true. Once world. you have Stuart Lancaster, and then you and then you yeah, you to someone else to go. Oh, if, if Lancaster was on, um, yeah, then well, once on. once you have yeah. friends Mel Herber, then suddenly, well, yeah, Harry Wilson says yes, yes, James Slipper says yes, yeah. and, like now, that's that's cool. Of, of all the moments in the podcast, as you probably know, having uh, Franz Malherbe was probably my my pinnacle. Yeah. Because I just couldn't believe we were having such a great time having a chat with a guy who I consider a friend, but also doesn't take very many interviews, and yeah. and is not usually someone who acts uh, has a long chat with anyone. And he, yeah, again, it was a forty-five minute telling us how Scrum works, breaking down. That was the fantastic, and that was to me what a podcast can can offer that you don't yeah. really get on a television show or radio show is the ability to speak for forty-five minutes about the tech unique of a scrum but also yeah why someone even got into the game he talked about not even necessarily 
playing rugby. He wasn't sure he was going to. And then it was a yeah. fascinating you know, origin story. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I felt like um, I watched rugby differently this year because of because of our pod. And yeah. Um, yeah. I was always thinking when I watched games, I was thinking about what would be the thing I have to talk about. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was a yeah. different way of watching. It really was. So let me let me start a few thank yous here. We we absolutely need to thank all of our guests over the course of the year. And it was, you know, it was 30 odd different guests over the year. And, and, and that included some fantastic colleagues of ours like Jim Tucker, like Jeff Parks. Um, but, but um, you know, journos around Australia like Je- Georgina Robinson and, and Ian Payton and Michael Atkinson, who is still nervous right up until this point of the podcast to find out whether he holds his starting spot in the Raw Boars 15. Stay tuned, Michael. Stay tuned. Uh, like was fan- yeah. yeah, it was fantastic to speak to um, you know journos overseas. Um, you know Paul Cully, and we had uh, we we had you know, Mick Cleary and um, you know Jamie Wall, Rob Kitson. Um, we you know we got we got a hold of coaches. We got Lancaster. We got um, we got Checker. We got uh, great former players. You know Phil Kearns and Marcelo Bosch, and um, you know the recent players even Matty Totomua was. Was great. Uh, Will Genia was so giving of his time, and there's lots and lots of people who I'm not getting through everyone's names here, but we thank you all so very, very much for making uh, making our weekly chats so enjoyable. And it was great to be able to share their love of the game as much as it was to share our love of the game, mate. Yeah, that's what came through. The single unifying theme was how much everyone really loves this game and is willing to go mm. into the minute details. Um, but also it's, it's emotional. I mean, yeah, we love him or hate him. A guy like Phil Kearns is absolutely in love with rugby. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to give him that. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, a more milder mannered guy like Stuart Lancaster, it's a different kind of love, but wow, that guy really lives and breathes this sport yeah. and love to teach and, and learn. Yeah. And and I like I still think of things that he said in that episode, which which again was one that you did, and it was a great chat. Um, and he said things like, um, you know, like in 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 Ireland, we're not blessed with a large Polynesian population, so we can't play the physical game. So we have to use the space more than we use physicality. And it seems like such a an easy thing to say, but it makes so much sense. And you wonder why more teams don't do that. And it's yeah. um, it, it it was it's really really interesting. On the numbers front, um, I and again, I just say thank you to to everyone who got around the, the pod over the course of the year. We started getting about three or four hundred downloads an episode. We finished the year averaging well over eleven hundred uh, pods per episode, and there's been just big lifts along the way. We we saw um, big lifts with things like you know, Franz Malherber gave us a lift, then Phil Kearns gave us a lift, and then the July tests and we started the instant reactions, which was just an incredible format that we weren't sure would work, but works so, so well that, that we absolutely will keep doing that. And then, you know, getting Michael Checker through the rugby championship, uh, all the spring tour chats um, were all absolutely brilliant. And so, you know, and to give you an idea there, three of the mo- top six most listened to pods of the year were the instant reactions to Wales, Italy, and Ireland. So it gives you, an idea of, of where it was. So uh, from a technical point of view, thanks to everyone who listened, who commented, who subscribed, who liked, who favorited, um, who left us a review. Um, we just uh, we just can't thank you enough. 
So we're going to have a little moment of refreshment, right? Uh, we're going to spend a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two uh, offline and think about our 2023, but we're going to come back stronger. Mm. Stuart Lancaster and Nick Bishop talked about that on that pod for the need to refresh ideas. So uh, we promise to come back uh, even a little bit funnier, stronger, more relevant, and uh, possibly even invest in uh, better sound equipment. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Well, I mean, you've gone through three or four different mics, and I, I, don't, I don't know about you. I'm still not quite sure whether you, you've still you've stuck to the black and white Art Nouveau uh, filter all throughout, though. And I'm, and I've come to like that. I've I'm, that's why I've had to balance it up with a bit of color here behind me. It's a lot week. of color so today. <laughs> there is a lot of color going on behind me. Um, look, I we we certainly need to thank Tony Harper who gave us the green light from the outset to. Uh, to, to go ahead and I don't know that he knew what he was going to get. We didn't know what we were going to get first up, but he has been nothing but supportive, um, listens in most weeks when we're recording. Um, but yeah, we've, he's been nothing but supporting and it's, it's been fantastic to have that. So, um, so it's a massive thanks to him. It's a massive thanks to, to the Royal community and, um, and a thanks to you, mate, because you convinced me to do it and it's been bloody great. No, I love it. And yeah, Tony is so on point with critique. He's uh, he's gentle with his critique, yeah. but spot on. And we always get better because of it. So Tony yeah. Balls, here's to you. Absolutely. The Raw Balls final 15 squad of the year. Well, maybe it won't be a final 15. I don't know. No, it's going this... to be a World I'm Cup leaving this up to you. squad. Okay. So, so Michael Atkinson's nervousness 31... is going to have to wait for a few more days yet. Yeah. 31 players. Uh, everyone's, uh, you know, privately people are currying favor and lobbying me. Mm. Not going to work. Uh, Atkinson, you're on the chopping block for doubting the propriety of Franz Malherber turning Marco Vinopola into a taco. <laughs> um, I don't want I don't want outside backs questioning you know the dark arts, but uh, fair enough. Fair enough. He'll, he'll get a good shot because you know Mike. The thing about Michael is he really does try hard, and and uh, you know he he gets friended quite a bit, but you know mm. he's he's also in the picture. He doesn't just he's... he doesn't do what Marcus Smith was. Marcus Smith made sure there was no missed tackle on Curtly Aronsa by just not even trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't get a touch. Did not get a touch. Um, that is it then for episode 47 and indeed the first season of the Raw Rugby Podcast is completely behind us. Don't forget over the summer, Harry and I are both on the socials. You can still leave us a rating or a review if you've enjoyed the pod through the year. And if you're going back over the back catalogue over the summer, which we absolutely encourage you to do. So many of you have left us um, reviews and five-star ratings over the last few weeks as well it all helps with the algorithms and listings and all that sort of stuff so the boffins keep telling us and we just thank you for it we will be back in february next year in time for the start of the 2023 super rugby pacific season so do like follow subscribe on your pod platform of choice and make sure that that new episode drops into your notifications as soon as it goes live it is the raw rugby podcast with me brett mckay and harry jones every week next year on theraw.com.au Australia's biggest sporting debate the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions and conversations. Thanks so much for listening throughout 2022. We'll be back in your ears next year. Come play with us. I'll miss you mate.